Welcome to the April 30th, 2020 episode of Blood Podcast, your source for innovative ideas and cutting-edge information. Our topics are based on articles published in Blood, a journal of the American Society of Hematology. Today we'll discuss the incidence and fate of clonal hematopoiesis among donors and recipients of related allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation. Examine the manifestations and clinical course of patients with a particular type of Fanconi anemia and assess three clinical studies that demonstrate high rates of efficacy and low rates of toxicity of daratumumab in patients with previously treated AL amyloidosis. First, let's review data presented in the blood article entitled Clonal Hematopoiesis in Donors and Long-Term Survivors of Related Allogeneic Hematopoietic Stem Cell Transplantation by Stefan Butcher and Marcus Manns from the University Hospital in Zurich, Switzerland, and their colleagues. The two key points of this study are that clonal hematopoiesis, or CH, including donor engrafted CH, is highly prevalent among donors and recipients long-term after allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation, or HSCT, and that CH clones variably expand at different levels of the hematopoietic hierarchy and can clonally evolve into subclones. CH relates to the acquisition of leukemia-associated somatic mutations in the blood, which originate in hematopoietic stem and progenitor cells. The development of CH is age-related, and is associated with an increased risk of hematologic cancers, cardiovascular disease, and all-cause mortality. The authors set out to characterize CH in long-term survivors of allo-HSCT and their respective sibling donors. CH was defined as a variant allele frequency of greater than or equal to 1% in granulocytes using a next-generation DNA sequencing panel targeting 102 genes. The investigators tracked CH in 42 pairs of donor recipients, specifically long-term survivors of allo-HSCT and their respective related donors. This allowed investigation of the impact of the transplant procedure and the exposure to two different host environments on the behavior of the CH clone. Putative factors affecting CH include aging, proliferative stress, inflammation, and infection. With a median follow-up time of 16 years since allo-HSCT, the team found a total of 35 mutations in 23 out of 84 study participants, or 27.4%. Specifically, 10 out of 42 donors, or 23.8%, and 13 out of 42 recipients, or 31%, exhibited CH. There was no difference in CH prevalence, mutation type, or clone size in donors compared to recipients, although the small sample size limited the power to detect small differences. Predictably, CH was associated with older age in both donors and recipients. The incidence and molecular drivers of CH in both donors or recipients did not obviously differ from that reported for unselected individuals of similar ages. The authors identified five cases of donor engrafted CH, with one case progressing into myelodysplastic syndrome in both the donor and recipient. They also discovered that in four out of five cases, clone size was increased in recipients compared with donors. The reason for this is not clear. However, it is possible that mutant HSCs may derive a growth advantage by peritransplant factors 
including possible enrichment of harvests with or preferential engraftment of mutant HSCs, as well as some impact of pre-transplant irradiation or peritransplant inflammation or infection on CH behavior. The team further interrogated the hematopoietic system in individuals with CH and found that CH was consistently present in myeloid cells but varied in penetrance in B and T cells. Colony-forming units revealed clonal evolution or multiple independent clones in individuals with multiple CH mutations, and telomere shortening in granulocytes suggested about 20 years of added proliferative history of HSCs in recipients. However, within individuals, telomere length was not consistently different between colony-forming units with and those without CH mutations. The authors speculate that different mutations might have distinct requirements for telomerase activity or might activate alternative mechanisms of telomere maintenance. In turn, this may explain some of the variation in the risk of malignant progression. In summary, this study provides insight into the long-term behavior of the same human HSEs and respective CH development under different proliferative conditions. The authors note that increased HSC proliferation within an inflammatory microenvironment in recipients might promote emergence and or clonal selection and evolution of CH clones. Indeed, prior studies have shown that during auto and allo HSCT, pre-existing donor CH clones can engraft and clonally evolve within the recipient, occasionally leading to donor cell leukemia. It is likely that CH will be increasingly scrutinized as a factor in the decision-making regarding donor choice for allo HSCT. However, more granular and longer-term data are needed to better estimate the frequency and consequences of CH in the setting of allo HSCT. Next up, we'll discuss evidence from the blood article entitled Association of Clinical Severity with FANC-B Variant Type in Fanconi Anemia by Moon Jung Jung from the Rockefeller University, Sitara Chandrasekharapa from the NIH and their colleagues. The two key points in this study are that X-linked FANC-B pathogenic variants predominantly cause early-onset bone marrow failure as well as severe congenital abnormalities and biochemical and cell-based assays of the causative variants reveal functional properties of FANC-B that associate with clinical severity. Fanconi anemia, commonly known as FA, is the most common genetic cause of bone marrow failure and is caused by inherited pathogenic variants in any of 22 genes. Of these, only the gene FANC-B is X-linked. FA is also associated with congenital abnormalities and a highly increased risk of acute myeloid leukemia and head and neck cancers. A major function of the Fanconi anemia BRCA pathway is sensing, removal, and repair of DNA interstrand crosslinks. FANC-B protein is a component of the FA core complex that also contains the products of six other FANC genes together with FA-associated proteins. FANC-B has an indispensable role in the enzymatic activation of FANC-D2 monoubiquitination, an essential step in the repair of DNA interstrand crosslinks. In this study, Jung and colleagues describe a cohort of 19 children with FANC-B variants from 16 families of the International Fanconi Anemia Registry. The authors used transcript analysis 
genetic complementation of FANC-B deficient cell lines, and in vitro ubiquitination experiments. To correlate FANC-B genotype with the pathogenicity and clinical presentation of each variant, they found that individuals with a FANC-B deletion or truncation demonstrated an earlier-than-average onset of bone marrow failure and more severe congenital abnormalities compared to a large series of FA individuals in the published literature. For FANC-B missense variants, more variable severity was found and was associated with the extent of residual FANC-D2 mono-ubiquitination activity. Aberrant splicing and transcript destabilization were associated with two missense variants. Individuals carrying such missense variants exhibited drastically reduced FANC-D2 mono-ubiquitination in biochemical and or cell-based assays and tended to show earlier onset of hematologic disease and shorter survival. Conversely, variants with near-normal FANC-D2 mono-ubiquitination were associated with more favorable outcomes. In summary, the investigators determined that individuals with missense variants, in general, had a delayed onset of hematologic disease and longer overall survival than those with whole gene deletion or truncation variants, which correlate with the extent of residual function retained by the variant FANC-B protein. This study's use of complementary approaches to uncover genotype-phenotype correlations within the FAB complementation group of FA serves as a model for assessing the functional consequences of mutations in other FA genetic subgroups. Still, much has to be learned about the interplay between mutations, host genetic background, and environmental factors, and their impact on FA patient outcomes. For the next discussion, we'll review data from three studies reporting on the efficacy and safety of daratumumab, or DARA, in light-chain amyloidosis, or AL. By way of background, DARA is an IgG1 kappa monoclonal antibody directed against CD38, which is often overexpressed on plasma cells in multiple myeloma and AL. The drug has approved indications in relapsed refractory multiple myeloma, and the preliminary activity and tolerability profile of DARA and AL was first reported by two groups in 2016 and 2017. The first of the reports we'll discuss is entitled, A Prospective Phase II of Daratumumab in Previously Treated Systemic Light-Chain Amyloidosis Patients, by Muriel Roussel and Arnaud Jacquard and their colleagues from the Intergroup Francophone du Myelome and One Center in Italy. In this prospective multicenter Phase II study, DARA monotherapy was administered to 40 previously treated AL patients enrolled at 15 centers. Eligible patients had to exhibit a difference between involved and uninvolved free light chains, or DFLC, of greater than 50 mg per liter, provided they were in relapse or did not reach a very good partial response, or VGPR, after their last therapy. Notably, patients with bone marrow plasma cell infiltration greater than or equal to 30%, or severe cardiac disease, for example, Mayo stage 3B with an N-terminal pro-B type natriuretic peptide, or NT pro-BNP level greater than or equal to 8,500 nanograms per liter, were excluded. The median age of patients was 69 years, and the median number of prior therapies was 3. The majority of patients, 
92.5%, had previously received bortezomib, and 32% were proteasome inhibitor refractory. 26 patients had two or more organs involved, including the heart and kidneys in 24 and 26 cases, respectively. Patients received six 28-day cycles of IV DARA weekly for cycles 1 and 2, and subsequently every other week for cycles 3 through 6. At the time of data cutoff, all patients had discontinued therapy, and 33 of 40 patients received the planned six cycles. Overall, 22 patients, or 55%, had a hematologic response, and 19 patients, or 47.5%, achieved a VGPR or better by the six-month time point, including three patients who achieved a CR. One-third of patients normalized the serum value of involved FLC. Renal and cardiac responses occurred in eight and seven patients, respectively. Median time to hematologic response was one week, only percent reduction in DFLC after one injection was predictive of hematologic response. With a median follow-up of 26 months, the median overall survival was not reached, and the two-year overall survival rate was 74%. The two-year progression-free survival rate was 51%, 11 patients died, and 24 patients started a new therapy, including 17 for unsatisfactory response and seven for hematologic and or organ progression, including three renal progressors. DARA was well tolerated, with first dose infusion-related reactions being the most common adverse event. No patient stopped treatment due to side effects, and no unexpected toxicities were observed. The second of our three studies published in Blood is entitled Safety, Tolerability, and Response Rates of Daratumumab in Relapsed AL Amyloidosis, Results of a Phase II Study, by Vishali Sancharawala from Boston University School of Medicine in the United States, and colleagues. In this Phase II prospective trial of previously treated AL, eligible patients had received at least one prior treatment regimen for AL, which could include an auto-stem cell transplant, with high-dose melphalan conditioning at least six months prior to enrollment. Like the French study, patients were excluded if their NT pro-BNP value was greater than 8,500 nanograms per liter, and bone marrow plasmacytosis was greater than 30%. Ultimately, 22 patients were eligible to receive treatment. The median number of prior therapies was two. The majority of the patients had received high-dose melphalan and stem cell transplantation and or treatment with a proteasome inhibitor. Renal involvement was present in 15, or 68%, cardiac involvement in 14, or 64% of patients, and 18% had greater than two organ systems involved. DARA was dosed at 16 mg per kilogram by intravenous infusion once weekly for weeks 1 through 8 every two weeks for weeks 9 through 24, and every four weeks thereafter, until progression or unacceptable toxicity for up to 24 months. DARA resulted in an 86% hematologic complete plus VGPR response rate. The median time to first and best hematologic response was four weeks and three months respectively. The median percent reduction in DFLC after one dose of DARA was 68%. Multiparametric flow cytometry with a minimum sensitivity of 10 to the negative fifth was undertaken to assess minimal residual disease 
or MRD status, of the marrow of 10 patients. Seven patients were found to be MRD positive, and three individuals among the six patients achieving a hematologic CR achieved MRD negativity. Among 21 patients available for organ response, a renal response occurred in 67% of patients, and cardiac response occurred in 50% of patients. While renal progression was not observed, cardiac progression occurred in 21% of patients. Median progression-free survival was 28 months. Three patients who had completed a median of eight cycles of DARA had to receive additional plasma cell-directed therapy, a median of three months after completing DARA therapy. Three deaths occurred in patients who had come off the trial and were attributed to sepsis, cardiac arrhythmia, and immunomodulatory agent-related rejection of a transplanted heart in the setting of using pomalidomide for disease progression. DARA was generally well-tolerated, with no occurrence of grade 3 to 4 infusion-related reactions. The most common grade 3 or greater adverse events included respiratory infections in four patients and atrial fibrillation in four patients, each equating to a frequency of 18%. The last study we will discuss is entitled Daratumumab for Systemic AL Amyloidosis, Prognostic Factors and Adverse Outcome with Nephrotic Range Albuminuria by Christoph Kimmich, Stefan Schonland, and Uta Hagenbart from the University Hospital in Heidelberg, Germany, and their colleagues. The authors report on a consecutive series of 168 patients with advanced AL, consisting of 106 patients treated with DARA and dexamethasone, or DD, and 62 patients treated with DARA, bortezomib, and dexamethasone, or DVD. IV DARA at a dose of 16 mg per kilogram total body weight was administered with dexamethasone 20 mg eight times weekly, then eight times every other week, and subsequently every four weeks. DVD patients additionally received 35-day cycles of subcutaneous bortezomib at a dose of 1 or 1.3 mg per meter squared, administered on days 1, 8, 15, and 22. The 106 patients who received DD achieved a remission rate of 64% and a VGPR rate of 48% after 3 months. Median hematologic event-free survival was 11.8 months, and median overall survival was 25.6 months. The 62 patients who received DVD achieved a 66% remission rate and a 55% VGPR rate. Median hematologic event-free survival was 19.1 months, and median overall survival had not been reached. In addition, after six months, cardiac organ responses were noted in 22% of DD patients and 26% of patients with DVD. Grade 3 to 4 infectious complications occurred in 16% and 18% of DD and DVD patients respectively, likely related to the high rates of lymphopenia in these individuals. On univariable analysis of AL patients treated with DD, hematologic event-free survival was longer in individuals with translocation, 1114, but shorter in patients with hyperdiploidy or gain of chromosome 1q21. Previously established negative prognostic factors in myeloma 
including DFLC greater than 180 mg per liter and NT Pro BNP level greater than 8500 ng per liter, were also found to be adverse variables in AL. Furthermore, nephronic range albuminuria with an albumin to creatinine ratio greater than 220 mg per millimole was a significant adverse factor for hematologic event-free survival with both DARA combinations. The authors hypothesize that one potential reason for the lower response rates in these individuals could be the loss of DARA through urinary excretion, resulting in insufficient target saturation. In summary, the two Phase two trials of single-agent DARA highlight the drug's good tolerability and potential for deep and rapid hematologic responses as well as organ responses. In addition, the retrospective analysis of DD and DVD regimens by Kimmich and colleagues show the feasibility of DARA-based salvage combinations. As noted in the accompanying commentary by Angela Dispensieri from Mayo Clinic, when evaluating these studies, one should be mindful of interstudy differences. First, duration of planned therapy was 24 weeks versus 24 months in the French and Boston studies, respectively and estimated to be five months in the German cohorts. Additional examples of interstudy differences include the considerable variability in median levels of DFLC at enrollment and the exclusion of bone marrow plasmacytosis greater than 30% and a NT pro BNP value greater than 8500 in the two phase two studies, which were allowed in the German series. Despite its retrospective nature, the larger German analysis may provide the best snapshot of real-world predictors of response, given its inclusion of higher-risk patients. Dispensieri also points out that although it may seem that response rates with DARA and AL are higher than those observed in studies of relapsed refractory myeloma, several factors may confound this interpretation. These include a less stringent definition of refractory disease in the AL studies, and by extension, a lower burden of disease and enrollment. The number of prior therapies, which was generally lower in the AL trials, and importantly, intrinsic differences in the biology of AL versus myeloma. Looking forward, randomized trials are needed to further define the role of DARA-based combinations in relapsed refractory AL, including the value of proteasome inhibitors, immunomodulatory agents, and venetoclax. Prospective trials will also help refine prognostic factors for response, including the role of MRD. As DARA has changed the therapeutic landscape of myeloma, these early studies presage similar opportunities for AL. For a list of additional authors, as well as more detailed articles and commentaries on which this podcast is based, please go to www.bloodjournal.org. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of Blood Podcast. Thank you for listening. The Blood Podcast series is made possible in part by support from Servier Pharmaceuticals.